right, here we go. The dynamic effects of spiritual unity. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, unity and about some things that I believe are specific for our church. We're going to start in the book of Matthew. If you have your Bible this morning or a device that can get to Scripture, please turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have your device or don't have your Bible, cheat off of your neighbor. And if they will not let you cheat off of them, just go back in your mind. And when you last read it, remember Matthew chapter 5 and what it said. Amen. Very familiar uh, verse of scripture is where we're going to start, but we're going to go a few different ways this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you specifically about this part of the body of Christ. Amen. Uh, The life church just for a moment and then just expand that and and finish the message out here what the Lord would have for us. And uh, the Lord just began to tell me to reemphasize why we are here. We are here for a purpose. This is not just a building that some folks put some money together and uh, built a building so people can get together uh, sometimes and, you know, eat and talk and sing and then go home like it's something to do uh, every week. You know, it's not just something to do. All right. Church is you have to remember, this is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, It is about him and we are a part of his body. He being the head. And so this is an organism. This is a living, breathing thing, is church. It's not like a club or the, you know, the ladies club or the Elks club or the whatever kind of club you might uh, be involved in at work. I mean, all of those things are fine. The bowling club, whatever it might be, uh, you know, but uh, this is a living, breathing organism. Amen. And so we're here for a purpose. And there's three things the Lord gave me to start off with here, uh, specifically uh, the reason why our church is here. Some of these things, some of you have been here for a while may recognize because uh, it's been prophesied even in this house. But number one, we are a light on a hill. Number one, how many knows that we are a light on a hill? Our location is strategic. It's not, you know, it's, it's, uh, some people may say, oh, it's just coincidence that the church is up here on a hill and uh, overlooks the highway and all of that. Well, I believe God has a purpose for everything that he does. Amen. And so for our specific body, we are a light on a hill. Matthew 5, starting at verse 14, the Bible says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. It gives light to all who are in the house. The house. We heard a couple of really good testimonies this morning. And I believe those testimonies depicted even this scripture that we are a light on a hill and we give light to all who are in the house. We are to be the example. God has called us and set us apart to be an example. We can't be that example if we're always downtrodden. We can't be that example if we go into the doctor's office and our head is always down and we're always thinking about our own problems, not sensitive to someone else's problems. We can't be that example if we continue to mismanage our money and our relationships. Come on now. Oh, I'm looking in the mirror this morning. Come on. I'm not just preaching to you. But to be that example, we have to understand what the abundant life is. Jesus said it. I didn't say it. He said, I came to give you life. And what? That more abundantly. And so to be a light to others, we have to understand what it means to walk in that. 
We need to be and show the example of Christ. Now, we're in a series right now that focuses on unity. We have to be unified. For if we are separated, it'll be difficult to win anyone to Christ. I don't know about you, but if someone came to me and was trying to convince me to join whatever it was that they were a part of, and I looked, and they were all separated, come on, and they were arguing, and there was disunity, I don't think I would want to be part of that. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be that. And so we must display unity. It must be displayed. We must show it. Now, in order to show unity, we must first what? Be in unity. You can't fake it. If you're not in unity, you can act like you're in unity. Come on. You can't, that's something you can't fake. We must be in unity. That's why these last couple of messages have been so important. And the last part of this message today is so important for us, not just the life church, but I believe the church as a whole, to be in unity. We must show compassion. We can't just say, oh, I'm compassionate in my heart, and no one knows you're compassionate. Jesus could say in his heart, I just love these people, and I just feel for uh, this woman caught in adultery, and I, I just feel for this man who is blind, and this one whose daughter is dying, and this lady who doesn't have any food uh, to feed her daughter, and she crawled all the way here from Capernaum. I feel for all these people, and I hope things work out. It's not what he did. Jesus took some action. How many know this is a year of action? He took some action. He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. He got down in the dirt with the woman who was caught in adultery. And he conversed with her. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Who is it that comes against you? Who, where are your accusers? There are none, Lord, then neither do I accuse you. Now get up and sin no more. What gracious words. We must be able to show compassion, display compassion as a church. That's what we're called to. That's part of being a light. And then we must live the standard. Now, in order to live the standard, folks, we have to have a standard. We must know the standard. And the standard is found in the scriptures. That's the standard. When you look around the world today, one of the biggest problems that we have is there's no standard. You know, I, I even look in schools, and one of the things, and it seems right. Now listen, don't, you know, because when you hear it, you say, well, that seems right. Even when you look in school, and, and some children are not doing as well as others. I remember this from the Army. You know, there was a, there was a battalion of, of young men and, and women, and, and some wouldn't do as well as others. And But one of the things that we have a tendency to do is we say, well, in order to get everybody on the same page, we'll just lower the standards. And when we do that, now everybody can feel like they're a part of it. And it sounds so good. Sounds like that's compassionate. Sounds very empathetic. But the problem is how far do you go with the standard? We must understand that the standard is simply the standard. And what we have to do is one of the things we used to say in the army, you have to just train that person. Come on, Randy. You may have to do something different. We may have to spend some extra time. But our job is to bring them up to the standard. Because I can tell you one thing, when you go to war, if you lowered the standard, you're going to get slaughtered. If everybody's not up to the standard, come on. 
How many know we're in a war? Oh, the enemy seeks to devour you, to sift you, like he told Peter, through his fingers, like sand. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But guess what? I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I have set before you life and death. Choose life. Easy choice to me. And in order to choose life, we must live that standard. We must understand the standard that God has for us and attain the standard. And guess what? It's not impossible. It's just like when Sister Carla was in that uh, office there and she, or in the grocery store and she was talking to that lady. She didn't even remember what all she prayed. The Holy Spirit, all she had to do was be available. It's not hard to get to the standard. We think we have to do something. I got to do something. No, all you have to do is surrender. That's what takes you to the standard. That's what takes you there. Surrender. Live the standard. Look at Matthew chapter 28, if you would. Matthew 28, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he spoke to them, and he said simply this. All authority has been given to me, in verse 18, in heaven and in earth. Now, just stop right there. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Then he stood on top of the mountain and he ascended where? Where did he ascend? To heaven. So if all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth, what happened to the earth part? He ascended to heaven. Come on, somebody. Well, what he wants you to understand is he is the head of the body. You are the body. I am the body. And we are here on earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus in you is the Jesus on earth. That's how we have to know the standard. That's how we have to live the standard. Second thing that's specific to us is we are here to reconcile people to Christ. Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how many people? Anyone. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. Come on. Now all things are God, or of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now watch now, watch this part. And has given us the what? Ministry of what? It's up to you to now reconcile. It's your ministry. God has given us that ministry to reconcile people to Christ. And listen, it's not our job to be like the people to win them. By the way, Jesus never became like the people. He never did the things they did. Although he was with the people. Come on. We can go to where they are, but we can't lower our standard. 
Matthew 9. Jesus went to what I call a Matthew party. Listen, in verse 9 it says, And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a, name, a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in that house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat? with tax collectors and sinners. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. Come on. But those who are sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus went and sat and ate with sinners and tax collectors, but he never lowered his standard. His whole job was to bring them to his standard. Come on. God's saying, I'm coming to you to bring you up. I'm not coming to wallow in your misery. Oh, the saying is, misery loves company, but God doesn't love misery. Come on, somebody. We'll say it again. Misery loves company, but God doesn't love misery. And his heart is to get you out of that place and get you into a place of abundance, to get you into a place of a fulfilled life, get you into a place where you enjoy the spirit of God and you enjoy your purpose for being here. And we need to share that. We are a light on a hill and we are to reconcile sinners to Christ. Come on. I love it in Matthew when. Uh, what's called the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, uh, blessed are the peace makers. Makers. Not the peacekeepers. I heard a, I heard a tape one time, long years ago. And uh, this guy, was, it was, he was talking about business, but he was sort of a motivational speaker, and a friend of mine was playing it for me. And, and, a, and, and a phrase in this tape stuck out to me so vividly that I remember it to this day. It's, more than 25 years ago, I heard this tape, and this guy was saying, listen, uh, you know, you want to you wanna do this thing, you can do it, you just need to, he was, he was saying, you need to surround yourself uh, with people who are positive and all of this kind of stuff. He said, but guess what? You can't win if you're not in the game. And that phrase stuck with me. You can't win if you're not in the game. You can't overcome if you don't put both feet in it. You'll never swim with the dolphins if you don't get in the water. Come on, somebody. You'll never walk on water if you don't step out of the boat. God is calling us to a place to jump in it. He said, go and make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. I'm going to stay on the sideline and let life happen. It's not your call. God doesn't want you to sit on the sideline and let life happen. He wants you to get into it. Come on, don't be afraid of losing. This is his thing anyway. It's all about him. It's not about us. Come on. He wants you to jump in it. We're a light on a hill. We are to reconcile sinners to Christ. That's why we're here. Not just to have services. Come on. Listen to messages and sing some songs. Keep everything in the four walls. That's not why we're here. And in number three, we are here to disciple others. Pass it on. 
pass it on. It's not all for you. That message, if you were here Wednesday night, you heard that message from Pastor Phil Capuccio. Great message. It wasn't just for you. Come on. Live that. You break out of your fish tank and then go tell someone else. Tell someone else about it. Pass it on. In Matthew 28, 18, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And then he said something. He said, go. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. Four words that stick out to me in this passage of Scripture. Number one, Jesus said, go. Go. That's an action word. That doesn't mean sit on the couch and hope everybody else has a good life. That doesn't mean, listen, I'm going to give you the information and you do with it what you will. Come on. Oh, the message can't stay in the four walls. The fellowship can't stay in the four walls. Come on, somebody. I mean, we got people here, part of Kairos ministry, Emmaus, come on, outreach, helping people giving testimonies at the supermarket. Come on. Jesus said, go. Now, in that word, go, depicts action. It, 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 it doesn't just mean to walk out and preach in the street, although if that's what God has gifted you with, that's great. You're a street evangelist, wonderful. But it means every part of your life. Don't, in other words, don't just be a certain way when you're in here in the four walls. I'm a Christian in here. You know, I have a, a, a particular vernacular when I'm in the church. You know, I'll say amen, and I'll talk positive, and I'll show compassion, and I'll encourage people while I'm in service. But get you at work, and somebody says something a little wrong to you. Come on. What happened to that church attitude that you had? What happened to showing compassion that you did on Sunday? See, that's what Jesus, when he said go, that's what he meant. He meant be the same in the marketplace. Be the same in your workplace that you are in church. Show that same compassion. Have that same fervor. Have the same faith and belief. Come on. Don't just testify about it on Sunday and then go and say, woe is me on Tuesday. Continue your testimony throughout the week. He said, go. Second word was make. Make disciples. Don't just give them the information, and then hopefully God will do something with you. I don't know. Jesus, God is good. He has a great plan for your life, and he died on the cross. Whatever you do with that, hey, that's up to you. I don't believe that's what he was saying, because he said make another action word. Come on, somebody. Can't just give information and wash your hands to it. Never pray for the person. Never follow up. Remember, I said I'm looking in the mirror. Don't. You know, don't get high and mighty this morning. Uh, I'm preaching to all of us, including me. But we can't just say, here it is, and then wash your hands. Never follow up. Never a call. Never a knock on the door. Never, hey, how's it going? Is there anything else that I can do for you? Can we get together and maybe share some scriptures? Can we get together and talk about what's going on in your life? Come on. We need to seek out potential disciples. 
Make means to seek. Come on. Divine moments God will set us up for. I guarantee you there are people in this church, including myself, who have just glossed over this divine moments. Come on, there have been there have been times when God has sent people specifically to your life. But what happens is we get so distracted because there's so many things and so many circumstances and we got family things and we got job things and we got car issues and we have money things going on and stuff is going on with the house and trying to get my marriage together and the children are not acting right and mom's studying but I didn't do as well as I wanted to on that test and all of these things around and the thing right in front of us the divine moment passes us by Jesus said you missed your time of visitation I know it sounds harsh because we want to say what about me And God is saying, what about you? I'm taking care of you. If you will take care of others, I will take care of you. Because the battle is not yours. You can't win it anyway by yourself. You can't win the battle apart from God. But you can when you speak scripture into a situation. I am an overcomer. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and never again beneath. Come on, somebody. I'm living an abundant life. Jesus is for me and not against me. And guess what? Now that all those things are for me, I'm telling you the same thing. You are the head and not the tail. That's what you can tell others. That's how you disciple them. That's how you make disciples. That's how you seek out disciples. That's how you recognize divine moments. Make disciples. And then he said, baptize. I know what you're thinking. Well, that's up to you, pastor. Ain't that up to you and the elders? You got the tank up there. He said, the baptize. Well, yes, it is, in part. But if you look at this word, baptize, it comes from a Greek word, baptismo or baptizo. And it means this. It means to immerse. It means to go under it. Really, it literally means to bury. To bury. You know how I take this in context with all of this? Is that I am going to, anybody got anyone in their family that's not saved, that you're hoping they get saved? Any friends uh, that you wish they were living a different or better life? Come on, somebody. Maybe you've been praying for them. Guess what? You need to baptize them. You need to baptize them with prayer. You need to baptize them with the word. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about pushing them away. I I get that. You beat somebody over the head with the Bible, you're going to beat them right out of your life. I'm not talking about that. But what what I am saying is don't give up. Don't pray for them one time and say, well, you know what? I prayed for them. Oh, my heart, but, uh, you know, what can I do? I've already told them and I prayed for them and now there's nothing else I can do. No. A month later, follow up. Guess what? I'm back. Oh, Michael, I know. And listen, I'm not trying to get on your nerves. I just love you so much. That's all. And I just want to see you blessed and not in the situation you're in. You know, I want to see you part of the kingdom. You have no idea right now what this kingdom life is like. If you give me an opportunity, I'll tell you about it. Well, I don't know. Okay, all right. Next month, guess what? Hey, what's going on? I just want you to know I've been praying for you. Come on, baptize them. Don't let them get away. Until the day you die, there's opportunity. Come on. Baptize them. And it said, into the name of Jesus. Into the name 
This is not a sermon on baptism. I'll give that later. To the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all about Jesus. Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead, of the Godhead bodily. Come on. The fullness. Baptized. And then it said to teach. And that's where we go back to pass it on. All I have commanded you, teach. It's not just for you. We're to be a light. We're to reconcile sinners to Christ. Come on. And then we are to disciple, make disciples, look for disciples. Come on. Now, we can't do this unless we're unified, unless we're together. We must, folks, be on the same page. We must have the right attitude. Come on. We must understand that unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean we're all look the same. Come on, thank the Lord. You're much more beautiful than I am. We don't all have to look the same. We don't even all have to have the same ideas. We're so different if you look around. And it's a beautiful thing. It cracks me up when people say, well, I, you know, I don't see color. Talking about people, you know. I do. And guess what? God does. He made you. Come on. That just means don't discriminate or don't think you're better than someone else. But I see it. We, we, don't, we don't See, this is what we do. When we see a wrong or an injustice, we turn our back to it. I don't see color. No. Get your hands dirty. Get into it. Come on. Let's work this thing out. God created us for a purpose. And he made us all beautiful and all different. But we're to work together. There is, here's this word, an emulsifier, come on, that pulls us together from all different walks of life. Some from this side of the tracks, some from that side of the tracks. Some from up north, some from the south, come on. Some came from the east. But the emulsifier brings us all together as one, and we can be on the same page Ephesians 4 1 through 3 he said I therefore the prisoner of the Lord and Paul used this word in Ephesians chapter 4 he said I beseech you that's a strong word because he's saying I beg you Paul used it with such strength it was his heart that was poured out I beg you beg you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering. There's a word. We say that word, but come on now. Long-suffering. That means don't give up. Bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring. That means trying with a fervor to keep the unity but he doesn't stop there because our unity is not good enough. To keep the unity of the Spirit of God in the bond of peace. Unity is not uniformity. We do not have to be utterly alike. Unity is supernatural. It begins with people who have the Holy Spirit and have a right heart toward Jesus and his purposes. 
in order to accomplish unity, now I'm going to say this, track with me here. In order to accomplish unity, we can't get together in a room like this and look at each other and say, oh, yes, let's be unified. Come on, Jody, let's get together and be unified. Because guess what? We're flawed. It sounds like the right thing to do, but we're flawed people. We're human beings, and at some point, that's going to fall apart. There might be offense or disappointment. I'm not prophesying disappointment and offense. I'm just telling you that we're human beings, and that's what we do. Come on, we disappoint each other. But he says the unity of the spirit, not the unity of the people. Get that in your mind. It's supernatural. And we need to understand that it, it can be destroyed, so we must guard it at all costs. And I think that for us, the biggest thing that we can do to take a step toward unity is to believe in the local church. Jesus established it. Come on. You, can't, you can worship on your own by yourself, but you cannot stay apart from the body and expect to, uh, to prosper in any area of your life. Come on. We must come together. We must fellowship. The writer said, do not forsake the assembling together. We must come together. We must have the right attitude about the local church. Why do I believe in my local church? I'll tell you why. Because the church is the only institution dealing with the ultimate issues. Come on. I told you, people want to turn their back on stuff. People want to turn and look a different way. They just want it to go away. That's why you'll see governments say, well, that's okay. Every, you know, don't, uh, you have to be tolerant. And they use that. The tolerance is a great word. It's just used improperly. It is used improperly. Come on. Now, I won't get off into that right now. Won't get off into it. We must get along. We must show love. We cannot lower our standards. Okay, that's where I'm going with that. You cannot lower your standards. Jesus, is the, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's Jesus. Okay? That wasn't me. I didn't say that. Listen, I, if, in my flesh, I, if it was up to me, I probably would say, why can't we all just get along? How come we, you can't do your thing and I do my thing and we get there? However, if I want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, I got to understand what the standard is. And the standard is that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. I'm the only one who shed my blood on the cross for you. I gave it all. Jesus paid it all. Blood and water out of his side. Come on. And then he conquered death and the grave, rose again, and ascended to heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is victorious. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Come on. There is none like him. He's the only wise God. There is no other way but by Jesus. And we must understand that standard. Sounds harsh to some. I understand it. But you know what? The more I think about it, this sounds lovely to me because I don't want a wishy-washy God. I don't want a God sitting up on a mountain trying to figure out some wisdom. Come on, not knowing what's going on. I want a God who conquered the world. I want a God who breathed and stars came out. I want a God who when the oceans came, he said, stop. And they could go no more. That's the God I want. I want a God who could stop time. And the reason why he could stop it is because he created it. 
Come on, somebody. I want the God who created Satan. I wish I had some help this morning. I believe in my local church because we deal with the ultimate issues, folks. The church provides perspective that gives dignity to mankind. We're not a church, we're not a church that says we're non-tolerant and uh, you need to come up to this standard or you should just die and, you know, those types of things. We're a church that says, listen, God loves you so much. That's why he wants you to have the standard so that you can be an overcomer. Come on, God is for you and not against you. And if God wasn't tolerant, we'd all be dead. Come on. The church provides a moral and ethical compass in the midst of relativism. I won't get off on that word today either. But we just want to be relative to everybody. I'm going to say it again. We can't lower our standards. Yeah, we need to relate, of course. But we can't lower our standards. The church is the only place to find true community. Healing, compassion, and love. It is here that people really care. I heard a young man last week talking to him, and one of the elders was talking to him here after church, and uh, he, was, he began to talk about some troubles that he was going through and all of that. And one of the questions we asked him was, uh, do, you, you know, do you know the Lord? You were here for church. And, uh, you know, and he said, yeah, yeah, I know the Lord. I've been a Christian for 15 years. He said, that's great. Are you plugged into a local church? You know, uh, are you plugged in and do you have fellowship, that type of thing? He said, I don't, I don't go to church. You, you, you people are just a bunch of hypocrites. You know, that's all. How many people have heard that before? Come on. I wasn't surprised. I mean, you know, and, and some church people can be, you know. But I've seen a lot of people out on the golf course that are hypocrites too. I've seen people in the marketplace that are hypocrites. That's no excuse. You still go golfing. You still go shopping. Come on. I'm just saying. I mean, that's not an excuse because it's about Jesus ultimately. And I I get it. I understand that. You know, you see people who say one thing and do another thing and all that, and they call themselves Christians and all of that kind of thing. But guess what? Jesus never said one thing and meant another thing. Jesus never backed out on his word. There is not a word that he spoke that fell to the ground. His word never comes back to him void. And so as long as that standard is there, I'm still going to follow Christ, no matter what other Christians do. Because guess what? There's times when I've messed up too. So people who say Christians are all hypocrites, I think you need to look in the mirror. And I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes, but look in the mirror. I'll leave it at that because I'm going somewhere in the... And then the church, like no other institution, has provided motivation for the most lasting, unselfish, essential, courageous ministries on earth. Church people, the local church has sent missionaries into some of the most desolate places, into places where cannibals are. Come on. I mean to go in there and share the gospel and to turn the world upside down. Our problem is we just have to have the right attitude about it. Now finish up with this. Uh, you, know, you know I have all these points. Seven absolutes about unity attitudes. First of all, somebody said, only seven. That's good. <laughs> I know. Thank the Lord. <laughs> but we're finishing up. Plus, all the, all the restaurants are just now opening anyway, so we got to let them warm everything up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Attitude of humility. 
we need to have the attitude of humility. Humility in our mind, modest, having a humble opinion of ourselves, a deep sense of one's moral littleness, moral littleness. But what we need to understand with that attitude of humility is the opposite of arrogance, but it's not the opposite of boldness. Because when we brag, remember in Romans, it says that I would brag on the Lord. So even when I am blessed, I realize that it's God through me. And I always give him glory and honor and praise when I am blessed. I don't mind being blessed. See, some people think humility means, well, you know, I just don't want that. I don't want to be blessed. I was, was talking with someone earlier today, uh, uh, some, some months ago, we needed a new car. Well, we didn't need a new car, but my, uh, my daughter uh, started driving, and, you know, she got a job, and she wanted to drive to school. So if she's going to go to all these places and she has her license, she needs her own car. Come on, because I'm not going to be taking her everywhere, every moment of the day. And so my issue was my little car uh, was paid off. Old car, Honda, but I'm telling you what, I stick the key in, man, that thing starts up every time. No, it starts up every single time. Paid off, love it. And so, uh, but we knew we needed another car. And so I didn't have a car payment on that one and this whole thing and, you know, just kind of being tight on that. Uh, I'm not tight on other things, you know, but on this for some reason. And uh, so anyway, long story short, my wife uh, takes her, her van to a, a dealer and they always do an oil change and different things like that. And she's gotten to know, you know, some of the people recognize their faces and they had a car come in and it wasn't the, the type of car that they usually sell. They were a, I think they're a Ford dealership. And this car came in. It's not the kind of, but somebody traded it in. And they, you know, they just wanted to get rid of it. And so they were talking with her. And um, uh, she got to talking about it. And they said, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get rid of it for a good price. So uh, she called me up. And I looked at it. And I was like, well, you know, it's a Mercedes. And so, um, you know, the first thing I thought of, first thing I thought of, Pastor Bruce, what will the people at church think <laughs> if the pastor drives up? in a Mercedes came across my mind it did Steve you know even after all the stuff I know I know right but it just, it came the enemy put that in my mind you know and uh anyway you know just long story short we end up getting the car great price an old couple had it uh for years for eight nine years and it had like 70,000 miles on it it was in pristine it's an older Mercedes but I mean that thing man is so nice and it, 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 is, it is such a, it drives nice, man. I'm telling you. I'm not going to lie. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It, that thing drives nice German engineering, the whole nine yards, you know, to me. My daughter doesn't like it. And I'm saying, praise the Lord. You put that in her heart. Jesus, put it in her heart. She don't like it. She don't like the way it drives. I said, praise the Lord. And so it is such a blessing. But here's what I realized is there's no shame. All I have to do is pray. This is, if I, I miss an opportunity to praise God and to share a testimony about how he brought this thing in my life when I'm ashamed. And I think humility is I need to shrink back and say, no, I don't need anyone to see that. Come on, this is God. It's all about him. I'll never say it's me. Dietrich and I, it's all about God. God's, and we got so many testimonies. I mean, from the time we got married there's so many testimonies and many of you do too I mean God just blesses us and that's what we have to share we have to be able to share it 
with an attitude of humility because it's all about him. It's not about us. All right. How many? Six more. All right. Attitude of kindness. Right. That means gentleness, meekness, the way we come across to other people. All right. We, we have to be empathetic and, and, and compassionate to others to bring them into Christ. See, I think people have the wrong idea about Christians a lot of times. They just think, well, all the stuff I'm going to have to give up. You know what? I'm thinking all the blessings. You have no idea uh, what, what you're missing on this side. When you come into the kingdom, all of the blessings you have beginning with peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's a huge, you have, people have no idea what a blessing peace is. You know what I mean? You have no idea what a blessing peace is. And so we have to be kind to get people into the kingdom. An attitude of long-suffering. This is a tough one for some people. This just goes back to the theme. We can't give up. You can't give up on people. Though you want to, you know, I, I, I told somebody once, I said, you know, church would be all right if it wasn't for the people. I know. My wife didn't want me to say that. I don't mean you people. I'm talking about church, you know, the universal church, not this church. Uh, I love it. We do. We have a great church. I know you think I'm trying to clean it up. I'm not, but we do. This is <laughs> this. Is, my birthday's next week too. So we. Oh, you are so beautiful. Oh, I love you, Kevin. You are y'all. It's a beautiful church. <laughs> we really are. This. Uh, this. We have a wonderful body. Um, I wouldn't give anything in the world for for this community. Uh, but so we, so we, but we have to long, we have to have long suffering, you know, with others outside and us. Come on, remember we're human beings. Iron sharpens iron. We rub on each other sometimes. Don't be surprised. It's okay. That doesn't mean leave the church or stop talking to each other. That just means we got to work it out. Forgive, ask for forgiveness, and move on. We make it such a big deal. Attitude of forbearing is the same thing. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another's faults, making allowances for one another, what? Because of love. And with that word love, the attitude of love, the giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit of another. Hey, you remembered that. It's all right. That's what love is. We have a responsibility to love, folks. Attitude of endeavoring to exert oneself. This is that thing. Don't sit on the sideline. We have to have an attitude. You know, I all, every time we have greeting in the house, I go over and say hi to Jody, Sharon, and Nick, and then I just go back up and sit on the piano, and, and that's it. No, guess what? Go to the other side. Meet some people. Don't be afraid. Endeavor. Come on. Exert oneself. And then we have to have an attitude of peace, a bond of peace, chains that keep Unity, peace brought between individuals, harmony, come on. To be a peacemaker means to harmonize together because we make such beautiful music when we harmonize together. Come on, such a beautiful thing. We're anointed, we're a unified church. The unified church receives the blessing of the Lord. Unified church will have a unified leadership team. A unified church will be unified in prayer. And guess what? The unified church will have powerful results. And that's what I'm trying to get to. Unified church will have powerful results. We're not going to be in unity just for the sake of being in unity. But we're going to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit 
because of the results that it will bring. Not just results of this church, not just our church will prosper, but your family will prosper. You will prosper. You will overcome when we are together in unity. And so that's why I believe that God placed us here, a, a city that's on a hill. We are a light. Come on. We are uh, here to redeem the lost. And then we are here to disciple others, to bring them into the fold.